0: Okay, um, so basically I, I'm, I'm just going to talk briefly, I won't talk for too long, um, just perhaps some, some encouragement really to us as a church, um, and then I want to, to announce something um, about us as a family, um, Rachel, Rachel and I and the kids, and then Rachel's going to speak for a bit, and then I'll perhaps share a little bit more, and then we can have some prayer points. Is that good? Is that a plan? Sounds like, sounds like a plan. Okay, so... um. Um, if you've got your Bibles, we you can turn to First um, Kings, and I'm to read just a couple of verses from chapter 19, verses 11 and verses and verse 12. It's a it's a famous, a well-known passage of Scripture, and um, well, as a reader, really, you you you'll recognise why it's well-known. So this is um, Elijah and um, Elijah listening to God. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after fire, a sound of sheer silence. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his, in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. It's a, it's a famous passage, the, the kind of the silent voice, the quiet voice of God, and um, I want to. So I want to talk about this. This idea of hearing from God, or waiting for God to move, which is uh, you know, same for me and my family. It's been a big this season. It's been a big season about this. It's really about it's been a big season of listening to God, hearing what God wants to say, hearing what God wants to do, um, knowing um, how how when God moving, what to do, and it's this idea of hearing from God. It's a big thing, and um, so we're kind of drawn to this passage, and and it's basically for me, there's like four key takeaways, which me personally and as a family, we've really taken to, taken to heart. And the first little takeaway is a sense of, um, I guess, the problems of sort of loaded expectations. So where are we? Okay, keep on that slide. So basically. I don't know about you, as 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 charismatic people, you know. There's a certain way we expect God to move. There's a certain way we expect God to speak. Um, I, I you know, if, you know, my back, My background was I was a Pentecostal, so I was, you know, in some ways I was even more charismatic than the charismatics. And um, I, let me let me confess to you. I, I, there was once a time, I faked being slain in the spirit. I, I did. It, it was, it's, it was year 2000, we was in, um, I was in Denver, Colorado, we just did something called extreme evangelism. I kid that's what it was called, It's called extreme evangelism. And in the evening there was like a big um, conference thing, um, there was a big speaker, he was a son of, of, of one of the founders of a, of, a, of a big ministry, and he had a powerful prophetic gift, and I, I was really excited about it, I thought God was going to speak is going to move. And I was near the front, and people were being prayed for, and he was prophesying, and people were being healed, and people were falling again and again. And I was thinking, God, it would be great if I can hear from God, perhaps even be slain in the spirit. And then, yeah, I, I will be slain in the spirit. I'm going to fall. I'm definitely going to fall. And as he came close to me, I, I'm not sure was if there was a adrenaline rush or what, but I remember, I remember thinking, I'm going to fall as he reaches his hands towards me. But there was so much excitement that I, I think I, I overcompensated because I put so much thrust into my boots that as he put his hands gently like that, I went, Whoosh! I flew backwards. I didn't fall. I flew backwards. It was a sight to behold. And um, I remember feeling really silly afterwards because the fact is God didn't really speak to me that night and God didn't really move. And I just made a fool of myself. Um, so there was a the lesson there. Something about, about expectations. And it's not nothing wrong with expectations, but sometimes we kind of put God in a box and expect God to move in certain ways and expect God to speak in certain ways. And the truth is, God doesn't always do that. And so what I like about this story is if, in, it's a sense of um, the, the fact that Elijah is so sensitive to the voice of God. You need to be sensitive to the voice of God. And... And, and so, as, so in the story, as, as God was, as things were happening, he had the earthquake and he had the wind, he had the fire what's interesting is not only did God not speak or move in those things, he realized it, the sense of being sensitive enough to recognize not only what, when God is speaking but when God is not speaking. And so we need to have that sensitivity to be able to hear God, not just be distracted by the, the, kind, of, the kind of obvious things but to hear God through the obvious things. Um, And that's kind of the second takeaway. The third takeaway is the fact that God throws curveballs. In other words, God doesn't always behave the way we want him to behave. And that's actually quite a tricky one lesson to learn, because the problem with curveballs, they're, they're unexpected. They're not things you can sort of train yourself into. And so really what I'm talking about is having an openness... Um, so that God can even do something new and you're sensitive enough that you still hear it. And, that's, and, that's, and that takes maturity, I guess. But it's something you need to be aware of. A sense of, look, God, I'm so open to hear from you that I'm, even when you do something that's kind of out of the ordinary, that's a little bit left field, I'm still going to get it. I'm not, it's not going to go over my head. I'm still going to tune into it. The fact that God spoke in sheer silence was not normal. What's normal is God speaking for earthquakes in the Old Testament. What's normal is God speaking through a burning bush in the Old Testament. God speaking through quietness and silence was left field. But that's what God does. God throws curveballs. And as a church, we need to kind of get used to that idea of God being a little bit unpredictable. Um, you know, my son plays football, and at the moment, one of the things they're teaching the, the boys at, in his football team is being is unpredictability. You, know, you have to learn to be a bit unpredictable as you run around the ball. You know, just do an odd little trick, just to confuse, you know, just keep them on their toes. And, and God's like that. God sometimes a little bit unpredictable. And that's okay. And you know, and as you grow in, in terms of listening to God, you have to get used to the, the idea that God's going to be a little bit unpredictable when he speaks to us and when he when he talks to us and then my final point because this i want, I want this to be quick, i want to spend more time talking about the other thing is that sometimes god speaks for the ordinary well I, I really liked that play um this morning um in fact to be honest this morning was awesome the whole morning was awesome i really enjoyed um just the way everyone pulled together that was, that was probably the best sunday we had this year Hands down, in my, in my, in my opinion. But uh, what well, I liked is the fact that it was all about the little things, the little ways. God can move in little things, God can speak for little things. I was reminded of actually when I f- met Rachel. I met Rachel on, um, on, on, a, on a mission trip to Peru, um, which some of you would have heard before. What you may not have heard before is that I almost didn't go. And then he didn't go because it was quite expensive a trip. You know, it cost about 1,600 quid to go, which is quite a lot of money for, you know, one guy going, going on holiday. You know, It's quite a lot of money to spend. And I was too in the phone with it. And I almost weren't going to go until I had a conversation with uh, a Hindu work colleague at work. And I just talked, I don't know, I was just talking about it. And she looked me straight in the eye and she said, no, you should go. And that, and, that, and that was it. That sold the deal. My Hindu friend, who has absolutely no vested interest in me going on a mission trip whatsoever, she doesn't care about any of this stuff. She said, "You know what? You should go," and I decided to go. And it had a huge impact in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's the thing. But this, this is the thing. Sometimes we expect God to move in these grand things, whether it's a conference and go to conferences, not the wrong conferences, or or it's you know. Some miracle or whatever, and sometimes just a little ways. It's just, you know, some, it could be someone at work or someone in your family. It could be a, just a, a little conversation, and actually, God is doing something. And, and again, it's come down to that sensitivity of being able to recognize that actually, God is speaking here. It he might just be my friend, it might just be my Hindu work colleague, but God is doing something here and being willing to tune into that. Okay, I know what you're thinking. We come out all the way here, mate, and you're talking about Elijah, and, you know, because it's cut to the chase. (laughs) It's cut to the chase. Enough of this malarkey. Okay. So the announcement is... Next slide. One click. It's not going to happen. Okay. So (laughs) then... To be honest this is something that's been going on for for us a number of years for me personally it's been a, a journey that's been kind of going in my heart probably since the age of 16 years years old um and so and and even up to this year it seemed like it probably wouldn't even begin to materialize and then suddenly we had a massive transformation probably from the beginning of march which which will tell you more about which is why she's telling me to stop talking Um, But the announcement is, is me and Rachel and the family are going to um, start a church plant in in a historical um, town of Banbury, um, hopefully at some point next year, and um, we're very excited about it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand over to Rachel, who's going to explain a little bit more about our journey and hearing from God.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, I'm not sure sort of where to start this story sometimes, but um, uh, I think we've kind of come to a place where I think I can start it. As Richard said, this actually goes back for both of us, way back in um, sort of our Christian walk. Um, But I think probably um, the, if I was to title this story, it's going to be, um, be careful what you pray for. Um, (laughs) And um, I just want to take you back to, um, it's about 2014. But first, I just want to show you uh, a book. Now, if you've um, had children or come across children or come anywhere near children in about the last 20 years, you'll have come across one of these books. They're called uh, That's Not My Books. This one is my personal favourite. That's Not My Meerkat. Um, And the way that it goes is really formulaic. It's that's not my whatever it is. It's something is to something. And then at the end, on the final page, it goes that 's my something is something is something, and we find out what our personal meerkat is in this case um, and I think in two thousand and fourteen, Richard and I started some prayers where we were praying that 's not my prayers for God. we wanted God to go that 's not my plan that 's my plan and we started these prayers, so we had um, uh, we were in a place where Richard was in the third out of what was going to be four year a diploma in theology. We just had the last of our babies, and we were sort of sitting there going, right, actually, what is next? What is God's call on our life? We know that God's got a call on our life, but we don't know what it is. So we had four evenings of prayer with um, some great couples, all of whom are represented in this room tonight, um, and we were praying through three areas. What is our call? We ask God, is it overseas mission? Is it something that we're going to go over and do something out there? Is it something in the local church? Is it here and now and where we are and this is what our call is? Or is it Go to go church planting, um, and so we prayed through with some people on that. Um, we had some fantastic evenings of prayer. We really had um, a great time just chatting through all of these things. It was really exciting, and at the end of those four nights of prayer, we knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, that's actually not strictly true. We knew three things. Um, we knew we weren't being called to, to an active war zone. We knew we were not being called to anywhere where being a mixed-race family was going to be a problem. Um, And um, we'd had them probably the most important piece of, um, uh, I guess, advice or being spoken over us was um, that wherever God's calling to you, make sure that you are active and you are serving and you are doing what God has got for you in the here and now. No matter where God's got in the future, make sure you're doing what God's got here and now, don't just wait for this future. So that's kind of what we did. We um, we sat there and we sort of went along and we started kind of making sure we were really throwing ourselves into what God had for us here and now. Somewhere along the next year or so, Richard's four-year diploma became a six-year degree, so we knew we were still here a little bit longer. Um, and we were just sort of going through, waiting to hear, and we still weren't hearing anything specific. Um, And then it was um, sort of about the May time in 2015 and Richard and I were in a meeting um, together and a lady who, she didn't know us, she didn't know what we'd been praying, she didn't know really anything about us, she just looked at us and she said I think it's five years. And Richard and I looked at each other and at that moment we knew that um, that was God. We really knew that, sort of, heard that voice from God, that we had five years left in Crawley. Now, the remarkable thing about this meeting is that this meeting was in a bank, and this lady was our mortgage advisor. Um, <laughs> she didn't know that, she thought she was talking about the finances. <laughs> she didn't know that God was using her to talk to us about a future and about a plan. Um, So that was where we were. So we had five years. We knew in 2015 that we had five years. Um, So we sort of went on just um, in that mode um, of where we were to go. And things started to sort of happen here. Um, Richard and I got more involved in the leadership of the church. Um, Eventually, Richard got um, uh, prayed into eldership in 2016. Also, in around that time, um, Richard had lost his job um, in the company he was working for. He was made redundant. Um, And that redundancy led us, or led him specifically, to working for Tear Fund, which we were like, okay, so those prayers we were paying back in 2014, we've not been called to go on mission, but what Richard's doing is now enabling the mission because it's a really important, important part of the mission that he's that, that the finances are sorted, which is what he does with the computer programming stuff. Um, scientific stuff here um, and uh, and we were we were there we were sort of here in the local church and so we were like okay so those that that that's not my prayers we've gotten a bit of an answer to those now and that's fine so we sort of went on and we were we were in there and we were getting stuck in and working where we were um and then in the summer of um 2017 got through one of those curveballs Richard was talking about um this time it did happen um, within a church meeting, um, and, um, but this time the person who was that pivotal turning point didn't actually say anything. And in fact, the person didn't, couldn't say anything because he was actually a really tiny, so I'm getting a bit choked up now. He was a really tiny um, newborn baby that was being looked after by one of our lovely foster carers in this church. And now, something you need to know about me is I'm not a baby person. I loved my own babies, they were great, but I'm not going to be first in line to come and hold your newborn. I'm not really that bothered about it. Sorry, Charlotte. (laughs) Um, But this baby was different, and I suddenly realized that um, from the very first moment actually that I held him, that I could actually feel something um, the same as I felt for my birth children, for a child that wasn't mine and God really started talking to me in this moment about adoption about stepping out and becoming a family that we could adopt one thing that this taught us in this sort of situation and that's where it becomes okay is that actually we don't have to both hear from God in the same moment in the same time because Richard didn't hear that in the same time that I heard that Um, and he said look I need to weigh this I need to pray about this we need to and really think about what, where this is going to go. So he, he did, and it was hard because I really wanted to do this, but I needed him to know that it was God, and we needed to both know that it was really God and not just some gut instinct from me. And so over the next sort of six months, he took that time to do it, and um, in the sort of uh, spring of 2018, he was like, yeah, I think we're being called to be adoptive parents and to adopt another child into our family. Um, So we're like, okay, okay, that wasn't one of those prayers that we prayed. wasn't what we thought was in God's plan, but God has got that plan for us. Let's go ahead and start doing this. Um, And so we started looking into it, and immediately we hit a wall. Um, All of the adoption agencies everywhere says that you need to have a spare room in order to be an adoptive family anyone can adopt it doesn't matter what background you're from doesn't matter if you only got your birth children you just need to have a spare room Um, we live in a three-bed mid-terraced house typical crawley house Um, there is no spare room in our house there's no way of us getting a spare room within our house and that was a bit strange because we felt God's just said this to us God's given us this call on our life but we can't do it So, uh, okay, so what does it look like if we start looking around to try and get that spare room? What does it look like if we try and find that house, that space that we can have, that will give us that spare room to pursue this call? But the minute we started looking, God reminded us of what he told us in 2015. So three years prior to this, God had told us we've got five years left in Crawley. And if we were to go down a route of buying a bigger house and getting all that sorted... We weren't doing that. We were going to be following our own plan and having a house here and, and doing that. So it was hard. Um, and it still is hard to wait because I'm not very good at waiting. Um, God's teaching me patience. Um, and so we we were in that sort of situation as to, well, what does this mean? Where What is this? Where are you taking us where we can do um, what you have called us to do and become an adoptive family? As well as the other things that you might have for us there. Um, and then in the summer of that year, um, those of you who might know me, you might know um, my mum's had a, um, an autoimmune disease for about the last 10 years um, and she's been progressively getting worse in her health. We were on holiday with her and she was really struggling. Um, and we really just, it was really hard, and it's been really hard, um, as her um, condition has just sort of limited what she can do, and they've, my, my mum and dad have needed more support, and I haven't been able to be there to give them that support. Um, my parents live in um, Buckinghamshire, and um, the problem of the M25 gets in the way. Um, we can't get there very easily. If the mentor twenty five is working, it's not fine, it's fine, but it's not often working, and it often takes a long time. And so I can't just pop out there on my day off and still be back to collect the kids in time because there's just not enough time to do that. Um, so we we heard from God in that that God wanted us to move somewhere where we could be closer to them to support them. Um, so there we had it. We had an idea that we knew that God was calling us to adopt. We knew that God was calling us to be somewhere else in 2020. We knew that that somewhere else was somewhere gonna be in line with where um, my parents were. But we also knew that actually the call that God had on our life in terms of leadership, in terms of um, the sorts of giftings that he's placed in us, hadn't just stopped because we were gonna go and do those things over there. And so what did that mean? What did that mean in terms of where we were gonna go? And so it started getting to get into a point at the beginning of this spring where I'm like, I really need to know where we're going. If I'm going to start sort of planning in my head and working this out, and we can work through the plan of how we need to get things done, I need to know where it is. And so I did that really holy thing. I got my phone out and I got Right Move up on my phone. <laughs> I typed in what I thought I could afford, how many bedrooms we needed, and I typed in Buckinghamshire. And I looked through and it kind of, Richard wasn't in at the time. Um, and I was going through all these houses and everything came up. It was Milton Keynes. Um, and I was like, I don't feel like God. didn't feel like God was in there. I didn't hear God saying, I heard God saying that I'm, I haven't got Milton Keynes in heart for you. It wasn't where it was he was sending us. So, okay, so I can't do Buckinghamshire. So I thought, well, we'll go over to the next county over and have a look at Bedfordshire. Um, so I put in Bedfordshire. And again, what I'd pulled up all the time was Luton, and I was like, I don't feel God's calling me to Luton. I haven't heard God calling me to Luton. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. So I was feeling really disheartened by this point in time. I'm like, what is going on, God? Do you feel like you've you've told me where we like where, roughly where we need to be. You've told me roughly what I need to have in terms of a house because you've got this call on my hand like, me to adopt. And you've told us that there's something there for us for church, but what is going on? And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to afford Oxfordshire. I mean, Oxfordshire is where posh people live. Um, And so I put in there and actually we pulled up and we hit upon Banbury. That's that's sort of where I did. And so I was like, okay, I don't actually know much about Banbury. So I, I kind of looked at it. It was quite nice. It's uh, it's like a um, a town sort of just roughly the size of Horsham. It's quite nice like that, and it's um, and uh, the schools looked all right. And I was like, okay, so so what is this in terms of church? Now, if you've been around our church for a while, you might know that um, a couple I think they left in around two thousand and three-ish. They went to go and plant the church, in um, be part of the church plant in Banbury. And so I pulled up the New Frontiers um, website for Banbury and found that actually the, church, the New Frontiers church in Banbury had actually closed in 2014. Um, the, the elder had left and there was, um, the church was effectively closed. Um, and there was a, a sort of a small group of people, um, and it is a small group of people, who were meeting together and were praying for a leader. And they were praying for Banbury and praying for a church that really um, does what we do as a church in that town. Um, and Richard sort of came in, and I'd been on this roller coaster all day. And he was just—I was just reading the church website as he was coming in, and I was like, "Wow, look at this!" And and um, we, so we went and we've um, we've contacted them. The amazing thing is, one of the couples um, who are in the in the church there um, have a story of adoption of their own, which is something that really felt that. Um, for us that sort of solidified what we were hearing Um, and where we're going. Now, um, as we've sort of prayed this through and we've worked it through with the elders here and um, other people around, we know that actually we're not going to lead that group. We're actually going to plant something new and ask them to partner with us. Um, It's very much not putting old new wine into old wine skins. It's very much, we're going to go and ch- plant a new church and we're hoping that this group of people are going to come with us. Um, but yeah, we that's, that's where we are and that's where we've got to. The other thing that I just want to um, really sort of bring with this as well is that I don't think it's a coincidence. And it's not a coincidence because God doesn't do coincidences that God gave us in 2015, five years here and gave Steve the the um, 2020 stuff that he's got here for that we'll be ch- planting a church and that we'll be sending leaders. I, I don't think those two things were separate. I think that's all part of God's plan. Um, and I really think it's key that actually it is us who are planting the church so I'm not standing up here today going can you send me I'm here saying I want you to partner with me in this um, and I want you to be a part of this so um, I'm going to hand back over to Richard for sort of prayer points and things that we're um, looking for next.
0: Okay, I want to make sure there's this time to pray so I won't go on for too long but um, uh, things. First of all, let me quickly mention a little bit about Malaga. So, I know you, you guys knew I went to Malaga. Just, Mark, you really caught me off guard when you asked me, don't really, where am I planting? Someone did answer the question. I was like, I can't answer it yet. Um, but but I, I went to Malaga t- to be honest, because I'll, I'm obviously thinking about church planting in Banbury, and I wanted to hear from God. And to be honest, when I went there, it was very frustrating for the first 24 hours, because I was kind of on my own, um, and God didn't really do much in the first 24 hours. It's one of those things, you come all the way there. I, I think I wasn't staying with anyone. I, I was like a half an hour walk away from where it, it, it was happening. So I got there. I didn't really get to talk to many people. The first meeting happened. God didn't speak. I, I didn't get to have dinner with anyone. I, I had McDonald's in the evening. Of, you know, just like, um, and then I walked home and I thought, oh man, what a bummer. But the next day, I'm, I'm, I just remember thinking, no, what, God want me to come here. In fact, to be honest, one thing I should mention is that God really spoke to us in the Elders and Wives weekend on um, the beginning of March. And the first thing he told me was, book book Malaga, even before Benbury came up. So I booked in before I was even knew even about Benbury. Um, and so I thought, God, you, you, you wanted me to come here, you would speak. And I, and I remember just deciding, you know what, I'm just going to listen. And I, I was listening. I, I, I didn't just listen to the, the messages. I was listening through the messages. God, what are you saying? What are the specific things you're saying? And basically, there was two things. One, we, were, as a family, I was mean much was personally anxious about our children. You know, it's a big thing, church planting, and we were personally, as as parents, we were thinking about our children. You know, how would they react? How would they cope? How's it going to happen? And there was such an encouragement I got in Malaga about. The children. That's one of the biggest things. It was, it was so strong, um, particularly on on, on, the, on the third night. It was, it was a real key thing about um, this is not going to be the parents doing stuff and the kids coming along. This is the families planting the church. You're know, all going to have a part to play, and it's going to be a big, big, a big thing for them as well. So that was a, that was a key encouragement for me. Um, the second thing was team. God really put on my heart a sense of team. And, and the word partner, you know, um, so, so in my, I should, I should hold it to you, my very, I felt so embarrassed holding, having this book with me, because it's, it's so, so gothic. So I'm, I'm one of the only church elders in this conference and had this very gothic church book, this book. But it's got all my, but in, this, in my notebook, in two places I put the word partner, um, two days after the other, because God says, you're going to have a partner. Partners, I'm not quite sure what that means yet, but there's a real sense that God was saying, actually, this is not going to be about the Bailey family. This is going to be a team. And so that's one of the key things we're praying about. Um, before I actually list all the prayer requests, um, I just want to give you some sense of vision for the church. And um, I kind of put together a little string of sentences. Um, I haven't got a perfect print out of a vision yet could we not quite do yet but i kind of just plugged my phone into my heart and said you know and it spilled out the very things i felt god was putting on there and so this is what i put down banbury is going to be a new church plant a church where god intervenes a church where god is freely given space to speak and to move a church of miracles a church where lives will be transformed A church for people to grow in faith and be themselves. You don't have to be churchy unless you really want to. A church of prayer and of justice. A church for everybody. A church for children, adults, both young and old. Teenagers. A church for the able and the disabled. A church for goody tissues. A church for roughnecks. A church for academics, a church for those who are academically useless, a church for the poor and the needy, and for those with wealth and ability to help, a church for people who are full of faith and confidence, a church for sceptics and doubters, a church for everyone, where everyone remains learners, where they're taught to keep learning, growing, and walking, a church of grace, and grace not just as a formula, but as a very disposition of heart. A church where people are not judged. And even if they are judged, they're certainly not judged or recognised according to their works. Or even their knowledge by, 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 by the contents of their character. Where all are loved and treated well. And then I went crazy. I said, it's going to be a church for the yeas, the nays, the gays and the strays. And if you don't fit in any of those categories, I've got a new category, it's called a haze, as in, hey, what about me? A church ultimately where Christ is at the center. That's my vision for the church plant. How it will work out, I don't know yet. We're not there yet. But we do have some prayer requests. we actually got some nice little handouts that Joe has done for us. He's got a nice little cartoon thing as well in the background. Lovely picture of us as a family. Um, There's three major prayer points I want you to hang on to. Uh, one is for God to give grace um, for a new job for Rachel. So I'm gonna, my plan is that I'm going to keep my job, at least for the short to medium term. But Rachel needs a new job. Um, and she's doing practical steps towards that, but we really do need a miracle. We need God to do something and help Rachel find a job that works for us um, as a family and for, um, and for Banbury. Uh, we need God's favor In the transition into a new town, um, with all the practicalities, both and also the the emotional impact, um, and we're particularly praying for the children, um, particularly for Hudson, the oldest one. He, you know, he's much more. He's a bit of a worrier. He's a bit like me. I worry a bit. He's a bit like me. Um, So it's my fault. But I said, pray if you can pray for my children. Pray for us as we go through all the the ups and downs and the transitioning into a new place. And thirdly, um, it's about a new team, as I said, God really put on my heart. You he really, to be honest, I wasn't expecting a new team. To be honest, I went to Malago to be honest with very little expectation, and God almost told me off. There has to be a team. You're going to have partners. He made me write the word partners twice. Write it. I wrote it last yesterday. Write it again and again today. Like, write it again today. Get your pen out. Write it down. Um, so praying for a team. I'm also praying for, and. Let me be a bit more specific in how, what, what a team, I mean, we need, we're talking about people who will go, but we're also about talking about people who will support. So there's two kinds of people. Some people will actually go and stay, and there will be people who will just support in terms of visiting, in terms of phoning us up, in terms of praying for us. Um, you know, As a church, you know, we're gonna be connected. And so this is, this is an important, important thing about praying for God to build a team to go and to support those who go. Enough talking, I'll hand back to Justin, you he can help us with prayer Wow,
2: well, so there you go there 's some news for you if you didn 't have enough to pray about we 're going to pray for these guys now we 're going to, so don 't go sit down we 're going, going to get going to get dynamic so I think we've got i we 've got half an hour let's I think first of all let 's just gather around them and pray for them and see where God takes us. I've got a sense that God's speaking tonight, not just for these guys, but actually for many of us here about the challenges that we think we've you know, got in our hearts and never seen re- re- revealed. I think it would be great to like just ask God again for his promises and what he's put in us. It's just an amazing story, isn't it, how God's been working all the way through for the years. So let's get together, let's pray, um, and uh, let's gather up. Let's have our uh, our best prayers for these guys, for their families. And um, yeah, we'll see where we go. Yeah, thank you, Lord.